Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Challenging Education from Cognita. I'm Simon Camby, the Group Education Director at Cognita. And I'm Beth Kerr, the Group Wellbeing Director at Cognita. Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for joining us. So far in this series, we've discussed the effects of lockdown on teacher wellbeing. We've also examined some of the ways in which COVID-19 may promote positive change for schools. On today's show, we'll be focusing on how schools adapt to teaching and learning as they welcome back students and staff to the physical classroom. Now, in this respect, schools are at different phases in different parts of the world. Some of our schools have started back, some are in the throes of planning a return, and others are still awaiting confirmation from the government as to if and when it will happen. So as we move forward, we can learn from each other about what we prioritise in the curriculum on the return to school. Now, whilst the media has focused on protective equipment, and of course this is really, really important, it is just as relevant, if not more relevant, to focus on learning and how we will adapt this on the return to school. Now, Simon, you've been in touch with a number of schools that have returned. What's been the response? As you know, we've had schools return already in Vietnam and in Switzerland. And in those cases, students have just been great. And and that's no surprise, really, because children and young people are so adaptable. The main thing is they've been really excited and really pleased about the return to school. They've settled very quickly. The most important thing is that it's been really positive. And actually, in all of our schools, they have taken the very proactive choice of making the return to school a really positive celebration so that actually it's just a great day for everyone. I can just imagine how excited they've all been to see each other, having not been with each other for a number of weeks and months in many cases. And I know today we are focusing on teaching and learning, but of course, before we get there, we've got to consider the social and emotional aspects of learning because everyone's experiences of COVID-19 will have been vastly different. The impact will also have been different for us all. You know, lives might have been changed and you're not sure what's happening at home in different places. And so social emotion processing is essential, but I think it cannot be taught in isolation. It's now not something that the tutor just covers or, or perhaps that it's part of a health lesson or a PSHE lesson. In fact, it has to permeate all lessons to allow students the freedom and the flexibility to feel that they can process these emotions whenever and however they need to do that. Sam, have we given any, uh, any advice to our schools about this? Yes, we have, Beth. We've provided all of our schools with a toolkit and the toolkit really is essentially a set of questions and principles to work through. What we've tried to focus on is thinking really proactively about the return to school so that we we plan where we can for all of the, the eventualities. But one of the main things is to think very proactively about well-being of students on the return. As I said earlier, all of the safety measures are critically important and we know that our schools will do that brilliantly but they also need to think about well-being and then about learning and I think the main thing about well-being and and you've just hinted at it is that we are very proactive and we give teachers permission to have space to deal with well-being on the return to school because actually our students have lived in this extraordinary period you know the like of which they'll have never known before and they could be returning to schools with all sorts of mixed up feelings and emotions and 
and anxieties possibly. You know, you, you could have grief having gone on for, for some children in their family or in their community. They could be angry about it. A lot of young people, particularly teenagers, are telling us that they have had some friendship issues because, of course, friendships haven't been existing in person. So there, mm. there are lots of things to work through. And I think it's really important that we allow that space for staff to work through those because, of course, until we deal with those, students will not be ready for learning. So I think that some of our, our schools that have, have already opened have embraced this and have absolutely taken on board those points you've just raised. And, and therefore, it's, it's a culture it sort of permeates every aspect of the school. And, and what have you seen in schools? I think the main piece of learning that I've taken away from talking to teachers and leaders in school is not to go what I would describe as content crazy. So don't get straight back into the content of the curriculum. I totally understand why teachers might want to do that. I absolutely understand it. But I would just urge them to resist that and really just think very carefully about making sure that they manage the cognitive load of students. And what I mean by that is that when we moved from physical school to online learning, and of course we had to do that very quickly, teachers needed to think about the cognitive load there because it's very different when you are teaching and learning online. And then of course now we move back into the classroom, we need to be equally cognizant of that because we're shifting gear again. And I think whilst there is that urge to get straight back into the content, I would really suggest think carefully about how you can use formative assessment in order to check how secure students' understanding is from the the period of online learning. Because whilst we know great learning will have gone on online, we also know that there may be small gaps, there may be misconceptions, and there's a really good opportunity for teachers to be able to secure learning before they move on. And of course, for schools in the Northern Hemisphere, it isn't that long before the summer vacation. So I would suggest really making sure before that summer holiday, use the time to get secure learning and make sure that students are ready for the new academic year rather than just going straight into new and fresh content. Of course, whilst that applies to all subjects, there are also some additional demands with some of the more practical subjects in school. So I'd be really interested, Beth, and I know you talked a lot recently to our PE colleagues. What thoughts have you got around those practical subjects? Yeah, I think it was um, an amazing opportunity for PE colleagues from across the world to connect because, as you said, their set of circumstances are quite unique. And I think some of the the lessons were to to really just focus on the purpose of PE lessons. Um, Strip it right back. You want to get children active and and of course you could want to try and engage them in teamwork now that has certainly been harder when they're teaching them remotely but if we go back to that core purpose of activity and teamwork and now for, for our colleagues to just apply that amazing creativity that they've been doing in their online lessons back when they're back at school they've got a little bit more freedom they can't be a slave to the curriculum when you take out all the team sports that are contact sports you're unable to play those but there are some that you can still play with the social distance in. But if you keep the principles of a love of, of being active, a love of learning and teamwork at the core, then I think that's a really good basis to progress these next few weeks. 
And it's great, really, to hear you talking about all of that physical activity. Now, last week within the Cognita family, we had this amazing event, the first time ever, the home games that really promoted physical activity in lockdown. Yeah, and again, that came from that creativity of PE teachers, that they were all frustrated that their students were missing out on sports days and, and, you know, lots of traditional sports festivals and so on. And so there were a series of challenges for children and families and staff for them to complete at home uh, with standard medal thresholds to strive for and to train for. And there was a real emphasis on physical activity, not sport. I think sometimes, you know, not everybody enjoys team sports and that's okay, but actually it's not okay not to be physically active. So it was a real focus on that. And it was amazing. We had 67 schools, we had well over 10,000 students and their families taking part. I think we had 145,000 medals awarded, at least 3 million press-ups, and that half of those were done by me, of course. But it was clear that children and families and colleagues felt better after they had been active. And of course, they were connecting and competing against other schools. And that's really nice to uh, have that competition element as well. It was amazing, really, just to see this combination of physical activity and fun. If you could, though, just bottle up one lesson learned for the return to school from that event last week, what would it be? I think it would be to really take the opportunity to celebrate the focus on physical activity. If you can inspire students to recognise the benefits of being active and involve it in their lives for beyond school, in fact, for life, then you will have taught them the most invaluable lesson. And I think this is your key opportunity to do that. There's been such an increased focus on physical activity. I think in the media, everybody is understanding the link between how active you are and how well you feel. And I think that is the time now. Let's seize that opportunity to really focus and celebrate physical activity and the benefit to our physical and mental health. There really are so many great opportunities here, aren't there, for all of us. One of the amazing things that has happened during this period of online learning is that so many teachers have found new ways of working with their students. Now, as we know, great learning is a social and emotional connection, and this is so much easier in the classroom. However, teachers have been brilliant at using technology to support learning. I'd just be really interested, Beth, in your thoughts about how you see what we might call traditional in-person classroom learning, mm -hmm. how that might be complemented with new ways of working. Okay, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I think I think there are two things. Teachers have told me that they, they've had to really think hard about their teaching when they're online. They couldn't rely on all those cues that you have immediately available in the classroom. You know, to some extent, you have to be more explicit because in the classroom, you can blend your teaching with ongoing questions to gauge understanding. You can rely on what you see and what you hear. You know, when, when children are frowning, you, you understand that they're not quite getting it. But online, you don't have those opportunities. You need to be far more explicit because you can't have quite the same in the moment interaction. And I think there might also be a reticence of children to, whereas they, they'd be very keen to put their hand up in the lesson and, and grab your attention. Online, if they're interrupting, you know, they're doing it in front of everybody else online, that they, they might be more reluctant to do that. And so you've had to think of other ways to give synchronous input, followed by a short quiz to check for understanding. But actually, lots of teachers have realised that these little quizzes are great for student engagement and checking understanding. So actually, they don't want to lose this when they go back into the classroom, and they will blend that into what they're doing. I think the second point is that 
teachers have really utilised a far greater range of digital tools for teaching and assessing, and the progress has been incredible. So I think there's a real opportunity to use these in the physical classroom as well. So uh, what have you seen, Simon? Well, two things here, and they're related, actually, Beth. They're both about assessment. The first one is just a curious and interesting issue for us to explore further. I have no answer to it, but it's an issue. The first is, is that there are teachers around the world that are telling us that there are a small group of students that have made better progress in the online environment than they have in school. And that's a really interesting thing for us to explore. So that's that's the first thing linked to assessment. The second is that I have seen teachers experimenting and using the online platforms in order to give feedback to students in new ways. And the great thing is teachers are saying to me, this will change the way I give feedback back in school. So if I just explain what's been going on there. In school, perhaps feedback has more traditionally been more often one-on-one, mm. teacher to student. And sometimes that's harder to do online. So actually teachers have been experimenting with small group feedback, often giving feedback to, say, three or four students for a session, maybe 10 or 15 minutes with that with that small group of students. And what's been incredible is, first of all, teachers are saying the level of engagement from students has been great. The impact from that feedback they have seen in learning. And of course, we know there's that amazing quote from Dylan Williams that says feedback should be more work for the recipients than the donor. So that idea that students must be doing something with feedback and actually teachers are reporting they can see that. So I think there's something amazing here about almost teacher creativity alongside the use of platforms. Now, of course, we may not need those platforms in the same way in the classroom, but they can still keep hold of that element of pedagogy about giving feedback to groups of students in the moment. And I I just think that's great. So there's a real opportunity there. I'm going to ask you a final question. When the storm passes, do you see schools being revolutionised by the experience or, or reverting back to what they know? I think this is about how the profession just grasps these things. And I think the opportunity is to do things differently. Honestly, I think you could revert back to how life used to be. And I think that will be just be a missed opportunity. Schools have been really creative in recent months. Teachers have been amazing at learning and delivering teaching and learning in new and creative ways. And so much progress has been made. So I would just really urge schools to think And just ask the question, what learning are we taking from online learning to change practice in the classroom? And a couple of areas that I would really focus on. One is definitely about assessment. So the example I gave a few moments ago about really thinking through how assessment from the online world can be used in the classroom. And I think that will really change practice. The second is, is about student collaboration. And this isn't for me about being too techie with the platform. Of course, you use the platforms for that. But this is about collaboration and student to student work, which has been going on online in such an amazing way and how that can be rolled into classroom practice so that we can integrate that into our teaching. And then, of course, aside from that, there are many other elements of technology, which I know teachers will not want to lose. And indeed, students will not want to lose because they've been using such a broad range of technology whilst online. And there's this great quote from George Bernard Shaw that says, don't wait for the right opportunity, create it. And you know, 
I think we've got that opportunity. We can really do something different and we can change schools and we can change learning, provided we're intentional about it. It's quite an exciting time, I think, these, these, next, um, these next few months. So that concludes today's episode of the Challenging Education podcast. As always, if you found this episode interesting, please subscribe and give the show a review on your podcast app. Share your views with us on social media and you can do this by tweeting us at Cognita Schools and including the hashtag Cognita Way. And if you know someone who might be interested in the things we discussed today, please do share our podcast with them. We'll be back with another podcast in two weeks. Until then, from Beth and myself, please stay safe, stay well, and see you next time. Take care. Goodbye.